Good morning, 11.30. How you doing this Sunday? Me. How you doing this Sunday? Try it again. We're going to do this every week till we get it right. So it is so good to, to be with you this weekend. My name is Jarrett. I'm one of the pastors here, and we've been praying for you all week, and we think it's incredibly significant that you would carve out time to either grow a relationship with God or grow in your relationship with God, to explore things of God. Uh, there's nothing more important for you to be doing right now. And so whether you're here physically or whether you're watching online or listening later, I am so glad uh, that you are here. And I don't know if you were here uh, last week, but last week was a bananas at our church. Last week we had our baptism celebration where we celebrate what transformation looks like in public. And listen to this. You need to get ready to clap for this. You need to be ready for this. Last weekend at our church, we baptized 53 people last Sunday alone. That's insane. Do you know what's so insane about that? What's so insane about that is 27 of them were at the 1130 gathering. And so to see that response, and for those of you who stayed for our service that went four hours over, people just kept coming to get baptized. Pat just had to keep making up songs. Thank you for staying last week. But what an unbelievable celebration of what is central to us here. We want to see people in a transforming relationship with Jesus. We just want you to say yes to him. And I'm so, I just love when we get to see the evidence of what God's doing around here. That's just a, a part of the bigger picture of what God's doing. And so when we pause every time we gather, you know, we take a moment to, to respond to God's goodness in our life. And we give back to God many ways, but in a moment, we're going to do that with our resources. Do you know what you're doing is you are investing in that transformation. There's no other way to put it. When you trust God with your resources through the work of this local church, you are an investor. You are invested in lives being changed and transformed by Jesus. And you know what's so amazing? Last week, you get to see all of these folks saying yes to Jesus, and you get to say, yes, I am a part of that. But do you know whose life gets changed the most when you trust God with all of who you are. Your life gets changed the most. You see God change you from the inside out. God gives you a bigger vision for your life. God opens your heart to how he's moving around you. It is just a part of our long game relationship with God. And so we always want to stop and give you a chance to look at your life and say, yes, God, you are good. You've been so faithful to me. And so I just want to give back to you out of that. So three ways you can do that. I'm going to ask our amazing host team to come forward right now. You can do it the old school way in the buckets. Uh, people like to do give that way, but then you can also give online. That's how the majority of our church gives is online. And you can do that two ways. You can text in to give that'll kind of fast track you there, or you can go to the website later on today and sign up to be part of the joyful uh, and faithful folks who give to what God is doing here. This weekend, what I want to do is I want to close out this series. I've loved this teaching series, and I want to close it out by asking just a, a really simple question. We want to explore how real spiritual growth happens over the long game. What does it really look like? Like, what can you kind of expect if you say yes to Jesus? What does your transformational journey with Jesus actually look like, and how does it actually work? We're going to walk through that over the next couple minutes but to get there, I have to ask you a question, and I want to know, uh, those gathered here right now, how many of you really love to cook? Like, cooking is your thing. Raise your hand if you really, like, that's your sweet spot. Raise it up. Keep it up. Raise, if you, okay, culinary team, you need to look around right now. These are some fresh recruits for you. Okay, that's like when you're in the kitchen and you're doing your thing, like, you got your music on, you got, you're in your zone, you love it. Awesome. Okay, did you notice that was the minority of people in this room? 
So let me ask the question a different way. Who here really loves to eat? There's my people. Yes, we need the first group, don't we, to do what they do. Just we want to support their gifting uh, in that. Uh, so I want to just real quick, I want to talk about for just a moment two inventions, two innovations in the kitchen that have changed the game for cooking. Now listen, uh, you're going to have to, excuse me, for the next minute or two, I'm going to have a QVC moment and I just need you to go along with it, okay? Because I want to talk about two things that are incredibly important, especially with how we're going to close out our series today. Uh, the first thing that has changed our family's life, in fact, this is our family's uh, thing. Does anyone here know what this is? This is a crock pot. Raise your hand if you have a crock pot in your house. Raise your hand if your mom has a crock pot in her house. There's all the hands up. Uh, this is our crock pot. We love the crock pot. Oh, it's so good, especially this time of year around fall. That crock pot, it is earning its keep, right? Because the way the crock, for those of you who don't love to cook or whatever, you just love to eat, here's how the crock pot works. You just throw in all the ingredients in the morning. You just turn it on. You set it. And forget it. And you just go on about your day. You go to work. You go run a marathon. You go do whatever you need to do. And when you come home, you got that sweet stew waiting for you. Nice chili waiting for you. The whole house smells like it. You can't really mess this thing up unless you leave it on overnight, which may or may not have happened in our house. So you can't mess up the crock pot, right? It's awesome. It's awesome. Amazing technology. But, but there's a newcomer to the game a challenger to the Crock-Pot's throne. And that is the Instant Pot. Does anyone here have an Instant Pot in their house? Oh, I see, okay. Y'all are on the cutting edge of cooking right now. The Instant Pot, this is our Instant Pot, and it has changed our life. It is amazing. This thing does all that the Crock-Pot can do, but 10 times better and 100 times faster. And what the Instant Pot actually does, like, think about it. You can hard boil a dozen eggs, listen to me now, in five minutes in the Instant Pot. And they are delicious. In five minutes. You can cook a whole chicken in 15 minutes in the Instant Pot. I'm not lying. Instant Pot people, am I telling the truth? This thing will itemize your taxes in 22 minutes. <laughs> There's nothing it can't do. Waymaker, miracle worker. That's what it is. It is incredible piece of technology. It is the Bugatti of crockpots, okay? And today, just today only, we have Instant Pots available in the store. At, no, we don't, we don't, we don't. But that would be awesome if we did. Okay, so do you see that there's a difference be between the two of these, right? And what does that have anything to do with God and with spiritual growth over the long game? This is what it has to do. And here's what I want you to get. The, this is what happens. When it comes to our spiritual growth, when it comes to your life and your relationship with God, no matter where you're at with God, listen, we want instant pot results, but God is a crock pot God. We want instant. We want, God, God, I want what I want and I want it now, right? I want you, God, just can you move in my life? God, can you make me more forgiving and can you do it by the time these eggs are done? God, I need you to move now, but God says, no, 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 I'm a crock pot God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook up something in you deeper that lasts longer that will carry you for the long game. And I want to walk through just the, the difference of, of why that's so important that we get how growth happens with God over the long game. Because here's what I've come to find. No one, no one wants to hear this, but every, you know this is true. That if you want to grow, you got to go slow. Now that goes completely against our culture right now. 
But if you want real growth, spiritual growth, God-driven transformation in your life, you have got to go slow. If you really want to live the life that God longs for you to live, if you want to break old habits and patterns in your life that have kept you from God, if you want to see transformation happen in your life, it's going to go slower than you think, slower than you want. It's possible, but maybe not as quick as you thought. Now, salvation, like entering into a relationship with Jesus, instant. You can say yes to Jesus right now today, boom. Your life, literally, your heart is changed. Your eternity is changed. That happens. Salvation happens in an instant, but transformation happens over time. It happens over time. And you already know that this is true, right? You think about it in your life. You think about the things where you've really grown in your life and what it really takes. Like, think about it. I know, I'm not going to have you raise your hand for this, but I know there's a ton of folks here. We've all tried every kind of like crash diet in the world, right? You've done your five-day juice cleanse, and you were just angry at everybody for five days, right? You've done Whole30, you've done whatever the thing is, right? And it's great, and for that month or so, you're doing great, but then afterwards, what happens? You go right back to where you were, sometimes even worse than you were before, right? You know that it, you, if you want to see real growth, a real change, like you can't just go to the gym a couple times, a year. Like you've got to actually, there has to be sustained over the long haul. And you will see change. You will see transformation. We already know that that's how it, it works. So why wouldn't it work that way with our spiritual life, our life with God, that it actually takes more and longer than we think, but it's far better than anything that ever comes in an instant. That's the way that God actually works. That's how transformation happens over time. And I want to show you how Jesus already knew this. This is his idea. And he was teaching about it and talking about it long before we ever got here. So grab a Bible and open to Mark chapter 4. I want us to just look at this great story that Jesus tells to illustrate this. Mark chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, uh, you can actually turn to page 814 in the Soul City Bible. Page 814 will get you to Mark chapter 4. Four. Let me give you some quick context into where we're coming at in this story. Mark chapter 4. Jesus is still pretty early on in his public ministry, and people are really fascinated with him. People are coming out of the woodworks to hear him, to be near him, to, and some even to follow him. And they, those folks in Jesus' day some 2,000 years ago are not unlike you and me. They were looking for the next big thing, the next guru, they were looking for the next quick fix to all of life's complexities, right? So they were fascinated with Jesus. And so they came out to hear from this Jesus. And knowing this, knowing that people would, you know, kind of get on board real quick, but that they didn't know the journey that was ahead, Jesus taught this story uh, about a sower and seed. And it's imagery that may be foreign to you and I today, but it was very familiar to the folks that listened in his day. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Let's listen to this story from Jesus. He says, listen... Listen, a, a farmer went out to sow his seed, went out to, you know, kind of scatter his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and birds came and ate it up. Now, what's he talking about here? What he's talking about here is that God is the sower and the seed is the gospel invitation to new life, real life, true life with Jesus. That God offers that invitation freely and fully to anyone and everyone. But not all want to receive it. And so in this case, in the first illustration Jesus gives us. He says it's like some folks are like a hard, you know, path, you know, imagine like a, like asphalt, you know, you throw seed on it. It's just not open. It's not available. And eventually what happens is that the birds come and they pick it up. And so it is also with folks when it comes to God. I bet you, um, you have someone in your life or maybe in your family 
that you would say have maybe a hard heart towards God. Maybe you'd use different words, but maybe you've tried to talk about spiritual things to them. You've even invited them to come out with you, and they're just like, nope, not having it, right? Or maybe you would even say, man, that was me. I had such a hard heart towards God. And when we're in that posture where we're not open and available to God, we miss this invitation of life that he offers to each and every one of us. And so Jesus goes on and says, okay, well, that's not all, though. Some of the seed fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. So it sprang up quickly because the soil was actually shallow. There was some soil there, but it wasn't that deep. And then what happens? Verse 6, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no what? They had no roots. Again, Jesus is painting a picture here of those who say yes to him. They respond and say yes to him, but maybe not fully to the whole invitation of Jesus. They don't let them, the way of Jesus kind of sink in to every aspect of their everyday life. You know, maybe they, they, they come around, you know, a couple Sundays or they watch every now and then online or they go to like a week or two of Alpha. And, you know, so there's a yes there, but it's not for their whole life. And so what ends up happening is because those roots aren't planted in deep, when life happens, which it will and it does, uh, they fade away. And you've maybe seen that in your life. And maybe, in fact, that was your story, and you're just now coming back to God. Jesus says that's not all. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, fell among like weeds and thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they actually didn't bear any grain or any fruit. Now, what Jesus is talking about here is folks that say yes to him. They go all in with him, but life gets hard. Circumstances seemingly collide and they hit a wall, or it doesn't go the way that they thought it would go, and all they see is what's in front of them instead of how God is working even through these circumstances. And so eventually, when faith doesn't come as quickly or as easily as it did before, they're out. Jesus says this is just kind of how it is that with some folks. It's offered freely, fully to everyone, but not everyone is open and available to receiving it. And so he says, that's not the whole of the story, though. There is another response. Verse 8. He says, still other seed fell on good soil, soil that was open, soil that was ready, soil that was available. And it came up, and, and, and it grew, and it actually produced a crop. So it not only grew, there's the promise there, that it will grow, you will transform, grow, but also produce a crop that some, he says, multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times, that there is so much more that comes out of a life that's open and available to God for every part of who they are. That life then begins to bless and even change and transform the lives of others. That in time, in the right season... Their life changes, and it bears fruit more than they could have ever even imagined before, that they are no longer the same, that they are not who they once were, that they've grown, they've transformed. What Jesus is so brilliantly doing through this little subversive little story here is to illustrate what, again, we, I believe we actually already know but so often fail to accept that when it comes to real spiritual growth for the long game, there's nothing insta about it. That's just not how transformation works. That the way of Jesus can become your way, and that actually happens over time. Over time, it becomes your way. 
And so what I wanted to do is just, I wanted to share with you today something that I wish someone would have shared with me at some point. I wish someone would have said, hey, this is kind of how it works when it comes to a long game relationship with God. If you want to go the distance with God, this is kind of what you need to be ready for. And I want to talk for just a moment about the long game of spiritual growth. How does it actually work? And you might want to jot this down. I'm going to do a little diagram illustration thing here. You might want to jot down. Thankfully for you, you need to thank God for this. I'm not going to do it on the flip chart this week because I actually want you to read it. So we got professionals involved and it's going to be up on the screen. So let's talk for a second about how this whole journey with God, a life with God actually works. And this is where it starts. It starts with an awakening. It starts with an awakening to Jesus, a, uh, you could call it like a come to Jesus moment or a come to Jesus season where you wake up to the reality of God's love for you and you say yes to Jesus. Again, if you were here last weekend, this is what we celebrate in every story at baptism is this awakening to God. Yes, I say yes to you, Jesus. It's powerful. It's meaningful. It has the power to literally change the whole trajectory of your life. And you can't begin a long game journey with God without that yes. It has to start with a yes to Jesus. Yes, I'm in. Yes, my awakening to your love for me. Now, our hope and desire is that everyone that we know would say yes to Jesus. Make no bones about it. We want everyone we know to say yes to Jesus. For me, that came at a pretty young age. I was six years old when I said yes to Jesus. And again, it's not like my life was this really complicated life full of sin and debauchery. I was six. I think the worst thing I had done at that point was I'd stolen some grapes from the grocery store. I do vividly remember that. And then I felt guilty and then also angry that I stole grapes instead of candy. Stupid move. And so I didn't have like a ton to confess, but I got that God loved me. I, look, at six, I got enough that God loved me. And so I had an awakening moment. And it was my eyes, my heart, my spiritual life came online in that moment of yes. You have to have an awakening moment of yes. And our hope is that you, if you haven't yet, you will. Today can be your day to say yes to Jesus. Now, here's what follows that yes, right? That's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning of the story. What follows that yes is a season of changing that typically follows after someone says yes and has an awakening moment to Jesus. There's a season of changing, and it's a very exciting season. You actually start to read the Bible, and it begins to make sense to you. You begin praying, and you've never even prayed before. And now all of a sudden, you're not only praying, but like you even prayed out loud one time. And it's like, oh my gosh, this, I'm changing. This is not who I once was. Maybe you join a small group. You've never done that before. And so now you're in a small group. Maybe you start serving, and lots of times in this changing season, we begin to do things for God. When we get what God has done for us, we say, oh yeah, I want to do things for you. And typically in the season of changing, not only do we start doing things for God, but we also stop doing things that keep us from God, right? So maybe after this awakening moment, you begin to change and you stop drinking like you used to drink. Or maybe you stop sleeping around and change the way that you have a relationship with others. Or maybe you stop, I don't know, you stop swearing, you know, at coworkers as often, right? Whatever, whatever, I don't know, whatever. But you know what it is? Like, if those of you who've said yes to Jesus, you know this season, right? It's exciting. And you're saying yes to God and you're seeing your life actually change. And this season on our spiritual journey with God can last years, can last years because there's all, you know, kind of new and next steps for you to take. And it's all very exciting. And it's all very real. And it all works until it doesn't. 
until it no longer works like it once did. And I think this is what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the sun, you know, and the weeds, the thorns that choked out the little plant. I think this is what he's talking about. Because for all of us who are interested in and invested in a lifelong relationship with Jesus, the thing that we don't talk about that I wish we did more is what Pastor Pete Scazzaro calls the wall. The wall. That there will come in your life with God a wall. And in fact, as we're going to see here in a second, several walls. Where all that stuff that worked before just doesn't work anymore. Right? The wall. Now, I, for those of you who are going to run the marathon this upcoming Sunday, uh, y'all know about the wall, don't you? The wall is real. You could get up and preach a whole sermon just on that. I remember when I finished the Chicago Marathon, notice I didn't say ran, when I finished the Chicago Marathon, I hit a very real wall, and I can take you to the corner where I hit it. And I'm telling you this for you first-time runners. I want you to know this because I love you. It's just after Chinatown, and I want you to understand this. You come around a corner because up to that point, everyone's cheering you on and ringing the bells and making signs that make you laugh, and they're, you're high-fiving everyone. But then you come around a corner, and it's like the rapture happened. There is no one there to support you. All there is is just banana peels on the ground. No one cares about you. I remember when I came around that corner, it was a hot year of the year I ran, so it was like 80 degrees, and I came around that corner. I was like, God, take me now. Take me now. I was done, and it's at mile 21, and I still had five more miles to go. The wall is real. And just those of you, anyone who's run a long distance, like if you've ever run you know, further than to 7-Eleven, like if you've ever really run, you know the wall's real, right? And I bet maybe even in your career, you've hit, a, you've hit some walls. We know that's real. So why wouldn't we think that we're going to hit walls when it comes to our relationship with God? They're, it's actually a part of the journey and it's a part of the process. The wall is where things that once worked with God before no longer work anymore. The wall is where you discover that what got you here, the faith that got you here won't get you there. The wall is where you find the faith that once came so easily is now hard to come by. And we come to our walls all kinds of different ways. For some, it's when someone you love, um, when they leave you, end of a relationship, breakup of a family. For others, it's when someone that you love dies and you're thrown into a whole new reality that you never would have chosen for yourself. You know, for some folks, for some folks who spend a lot of time in that changing season, the wall comes when you spiritually exhaust yourself from all of your doing for God. And you thought you were doing the right thing and doing all this stuff for God, and then you get and go, maybe you've been there. I got nothing left. I'm cold. I'm angry. I'm dry. I got nothing. That's what the wall looks like. For some, the wall can come from praying a prayer, asking God to move in a way in a sustained season of not seeing him answer it the way you're asking it. And you get to a point of disappointment with God. God, I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I, and I remember, and I'll talk about my wall here in a second. I remember when I got to my wall, I, I, it wasn't about whether or not God existed for me. I believe God existed. My real dilemma with God is, is he actually good? Are you really good? How could you allow this? Where are you in this? 
And as I've walked through my own walls, notice the plural, I'll get back to that in a second, and I've walked with others through theirs, I've found that this is a pivotal moment in your spiritual journey. Incredibly important moment when you hit the wall because what I've found is that the wall actually has the power for your faith to either blow up or to grow up. The wall is where your faith either blows up. You know what? I'm out. God, I'm out. It's not what I signed up for. Jesus knew this, that we would get to a point where we go, nope, it's too much. It's too much. I can't take it anymore, and I'm out. And our faith either blows up or we say yes to God's invitation even in the dark night of the soul. And we see our faith grow in ways that it would not have grown in any other season. It has the power to either blow up your faith, and I've seen plenty of my friends, people I love and care about, say, I quit. This is not what I signed up for. And I've seen people walk through the darkest of nights and come out with a faith that is unlike anything they experienced before. For me, one of my raw, and probably the first real significant wall for me came 15 years ago when Jeannie's dad, Bill, died very suddenly. And, you know, most, if I'm being really honest, like at that point, most of my spiritual life, my life with God, kind of was up and to the right. Like not, you know, there was challenges and setbacks, but it was kind of like, it was pretty great. And then when he died, and this man that I loved so much, and was in every way a father to me, just like my father, and is Jeannie's uh, hero, you know, gone. In the morning, I remember the call, gone. And I hit a wall, a significant wall with God where I didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other. And I remember at the time, I didn't, even, I didn't want to go to church, and there was a slight problem with that because I worked at a church. <laughs> so they were paying me to be there, and I did not want to go. It's the last place I wanted to be. And when we'd go and people would sing songs and they would raise their hands, I just remember my fists just being clenched. I'm not going to give you this, God. Because I don't know how, how this all works. I don't know how you could allow this to happen. I don't know how our family moves forward. God, why? No, why? No. And I remember in that season, well-intended friends saying spiritually stupid things to me. They wanted to help. God's got a plan. You know, even things I've said on the stage, he wouldn't bring you this far to leave you here. And it's like, I don't need to hear that right now. I'm facing the darkest season of my life. And I just want to quickly say, maybe you have a friend who's in at the wall, whether they'd call it that or not, or in a dark or difficult season, or your spouse is, your partner is. They don't need you to fix it for them. You actually could be interfering in the work of God in their life. They just need your support and presence because it's hard and it's lonely and you don't know if there's another side to it. That's the power that the wall has. And again, I don't know how all of this works. I don't know how, you know, did God cause it to happen? No, I don't think God would cause it to happen. But do I know that God actually uses everything in my life, turns everything into his glory and for my good? Yes, I believe that. So I don't know how it all works. I just know that God doesn't waste a thing. He doesn't waste a season. And that it actually, the wall is a part of the journey. And if you are at a wall right now, you need to understand you're not an anomaly. You're actually at the, the front store, like the front door, of the very first step into a whole new relationship with God. But I know it doesn't feel that way right now. 
And it's so important that we get this. Here's what, again, no one wants to hear what I'm about to say. Everyone hits the wall. Anyone who's serious about going the long game with God, you're going, I'm just telling you now, so that when you hit it, you can go, oh yeah, I remember he did say that that one time. Everyone hits the wall. And if you've hit a wall or you're at a wall, I have one more thing to tell you. You're going to hit one again. It's not like the chicken pox. You don't only get it once. <laughs> it comes around. It's how it works. And it's not because God is cruel or God is mean or God has forgotten you. It's because God knows that you cannot experience a breakthrough with him unless something is broken down in you. That you cannot be fully open to God unless you've been emptied out and there's not a tear left to cry. And I know that there are so many folks in this church and you come here and it's the most you can do is just show up. I thank God for you. It's more courageous than you know to keep putting one foot in front of the other and waiting for God as you walk through the wall. If you try and avoid it, if you try and escape it, if you try and get around it, you will miss what God has for you because what's on the other side of the wall is far more than you could even imagine. That God uses these seasons, these dark and difficult seasons like the wall to grow something in you, a faith that actually is formed in you to actually make it the long game, the long haul. And what I've found to be true and the pattern that I've seen is that when people are willing to go all in with God, especially when they hit the wall, that there's a season that is kind of tied and connected right to that, and that's a season of diving in. Because what happens is you begin to see that there actually is more. And so you begin to dive in and begin looking for the deeper streams of God. You're not, it's not just like, it's not just okay to get hyped up with God. You're looking for the deeper streams with God. This is where you go looking for spiritual guides and spiritual directors. That's what I had to do. When I hit the wall, I was a couple months in and knew I need some help. So I was already seeing a Christian counselor. I went and also got a spiritual director. I'm like, I'm going to pull all the people in to help me make it through this season for what God has for me on the other side. When you go into this season of diving in, those simple answers just no longer suffice anymore. And what you find beyond the wall is that God actually has so much more. You're able to dive into so much more with God. So much more of his love is available to you. So much more of his grace, his peace, his wisdom is actually available on the other side of the wall. And here's the deal. It's not like God didn't want to give it to you. It's not like God was withholding from you. You just weren't ready for it before the wall. You just weren't ready for it. And what happens on the other side is you begin to learn like, um, you know, everyone here, maybe you know how to swim. You learn how to swim, right? Most people know how to swim. Maybe you don't. That's okay. But if you learn how to swim, remember how you learn? Like you learned in the shallow end, right? And you learn probably with some floaties at first, right? Or they had them around your waist and little floaties. And you probably had a nose plug at some point. And so, you know, you kind of had to like get used to it in the shallow. End. And what you find in this diving in season is that when you swim out just a little bit further and you pull the floaties off, there's not just a deep end. It's a vast ocean of God's loving presence that you will never get to the end of. But there's so much more for you on the other side. And then what begins to happen after you dive in with God is that you begin to start you start living that out. You start living out of a different place. You begin to live out of that place. Maybe it feels like when you hit the wall in this diving in season, you're kind of pulling in a little bit, and that's okay. 
because then you begin to start living out of it. And you know what's crazy about this next kind of season in the journey when you begin to live out of that deeper place with God? Do you know what you end up doing? You end up doing all the things that you did in that first season of changing, but you do them from a totally different place now with a totally different motivation. You, you read your Bible, but all of a sudden the Bible's speaking to you in a way it's never spoken to you before. It's like, God, did you, did you just write this? Did, was this not in here originally? How did I miss this? You begin to pray because you realize that that connection with God is your lifeline and you desire and long to be in relationship with God and dialoguing with him. You join a small group, not just because we said that's the thing you should do. You join because you are about creating authentic and vulnerable, real community to connect with God and to connect with each other. You begin to serve not out of obligation, but because you want everyone to experience the height and the depth and the breadth of God's love for them just like you have experienced. It's an amazing thing to think that you can do the exact same things you used to do, but from a totally different place. And that God actually meets you in such a new way as you do. And then what begins to happen is as you were living it out, guess what begins to happen? You begin to see and experience more of God and you probably have another awakening to God. And then you begin to see more changes in your life. And then guess what? You hit the wall again. Because God wants to clear out more and more room for you to be more and more available to him. And then you dive in and then you begin to live out. And this is how it works. This is what the spiritual journey with God over the long game actually looks like. And it's really important that you pay attention. Each season is dependent on the previous. That's really important to understand. Because you can be like, oh, I'm just in the first one. Well, I'm not all the way to like a 401 level. That's not how it works. You need to be present to the season you're in. If you're new to faith and you're learning all the things and doing all the things, awesome. You don't go from awakening to living it out. You work through the cycle and you certainly don't get to do that by avoiding the wall. It's all a part of the journey that God uses to grow you into who he actually created you to be. And as you can already tell, it takes time. So have grace for yourself. Have some grace that you're not supposed to have it all figured out. You're not supposed to be living it all out. That this kind of deep soul level work that God is doing, it takes time. And what I've seen in a lifetime of walking with God and half my life being a pastor is what I've seen is that what people are most typically interested in when it comes to a life with God, a relationship with God, is they want to hang out just in the first half before the wall. You know, they just do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to read. Tell me when to pray. Tell me what group to do. And that's awesome. That's easy. And that's important, right? We like that kind of stuff. But that deeper life with God only comes on the other side of the wall. And so that's why we created this whole church is to walk with you, to hold that space with you for wherever you're at with God and so that you would actually stay with him and say yes to him for a lifetime, for the rest of your life. And our hope for you, our prayer for you, Gene and I, as we started this church and our staff, as we lead this church, our hope and prayer for you is that you would actually experience what we say here every week. We want to see you experience a transforming relationship with Jesus. Because here's what we want you to do. In five years from now, whether you're attending this church or not, or whether you live in Nashville, or whether you live in California, if you live in California, we should talk. But wherever you're at, whatever you're doing five years from now, you should look back at your life and be able to say this, I'm not all that I want to be right? I'm not there yet. I'm not all that I want to be, but I'm not at all who I used to be. That's the evidence of transformation in your life. I'm not all who I want to be. I'm not all there yet. I, I know that there is still work in me. God's not done with me. Just hang out with me. You'll see that to be true. 
but I'm not at all who I used to be. God's growing me. He's changing me over time. In fact, this is so important. I want you to get this. I want you to turn to the person next to you. Look them in the eyes right now. We're going to end this message by you preaching to each other. So everyone, turn and look at the person next to you. It's not a metaphorical exercise. Turn and look at the person next to you and say these words. I'm not all that I want to be, but I'm not at all who I used to be. I don't have it all figured out, but praise God, over time, he's growing me, he's changing me, he's transforming me. And so can I have grace for myself that I'm not all there yet? Can you have grace for others who, don't, who aren't as woke as you and as spiritually woke and figured it all out as you? Can you have grace for them that they're just not there yet? Can we actually give each other that grace that God's not done with us yet? And can we be faithful to the next step with God and the next step with God and the next step with God and especially for those of us who are at a wall today I know how I can't imagine I can't imagine I know from the walls that I've come at with God but I I can't imagine what you're going through and I just I want to encourage you will you just hold on and keep going with God There is so much more. We're not going to promise you superficial spiritual things. There is more. That's a promise from God on the other side. He has so much more in store for you than you even know. And he's using this season to form something in you that would not grow in any other season. So I want to just pray for you. I'm going to ask you to actually stand right now. And I want to close this message and close out this series by praying for you. Lots of times, you know, we at Soul City... Uh, give homework. We want to make, you know, this as spiritually practical as possible. We want to give you something that you can practice and you can actually do with God. And so I got, I've got a very specific homework assignment for each and every one of us this week. Are you ready for it? Make sure you're paying attention because this is your homework for this week. You ready for it? Keep going with God. That's it. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. I know it's hard. I know you don't have it all figured out. I know you're not where you want to be yet, but you're not who you used to be. That's evidence of God's work in your life where you just keep going with God and let him do what only he can do in you while you do what only you can do. I'm going to keep going with you, God. I'm going to keep saying yes. Even if it's through clenched teeth, I'm going to keep saying yes to you, God. So can I pray for you? Can we open our hands and open our hearts to God? And I would love to pray for you right now. God, thank you. Uh, Jesus, thank you, first and foremost, for this brilliant message, this story that you told so sneaky about how it actually all works with you. And thank you for what's behind the story, that you, God, are a good God and a loving God who generously offers us life to the fullest with you. And thank you, God, that, that you don't waste a thing in our life, that even our dark and difficult seasons aren't the evidence of your absence, but the invitation of you drawing us to something bigger, something deeper, something new. And so God, we pour out our hearts from wherever we're at on this journey with you. We pour out our praise. We just come to you and say that you are great and you are good. Help us to believe that and to just keep going with you this week. It's in your name that we pray and sing. Amen.